0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to another exciting edition of films of fury with sergeant fury this technically is episode one i know that uh, earlier this week we published what i refer to as episode zero the top 10 superhero movies of all time as voted on by myself but this episode is going to be a little different typically i'd be bitching about movies or comic books or whatever comes to mind but because I am a professional wrestler and because tonight is such a a monumental anniversary, I am going to do a special WWE Network watch-along audio commentary for the 20th anniversary of the Mankind Undertaker Hell in a Cell match from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on June twenty eighth, 1998. Now, this is considered by many to be the greatest Hell in a Cell match of all time, even trumping the first one, which featured Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker from Bad Blood on October 5th, 1997. This is, for better or worse, the one thing that mankind Mick Foley is going to be remembered for. The WWE Hall of Famer... uh, Put his body on the line for, for the art and the craft of professional wrestling to tell what many consider, including myself, one of the best matches of all time and one of the best stories of all time, but really was a, a pivotal moment in the Attitude Era. Uh, this was in 1998, the, the halfway point. At this point, WWE had finally gotten a couple of ratings wins against a competitor, WCW, who for 83 consecutive weeks, uh, defeated WWE in the Monday Night War and in pay-per-view buy rates and really uh, gave WWF at that time major competition. And Mankind and Undertaker, although they had feuded since Mankind's debut the night after WrestleMania uh, 12 in March of 1996, they were going into this match and The Mankind had had uh, several pay-per-view matches, main events, against uh, new WWF champion Stone Cold Steve Austin. Undertaker had just come off of the run against uh, his brother Kane at WrestleMania 14, and also at Unforgiven, where we had the Inferno match, the same night that Dude Love faced Stone Cold Steve Austin. And tonight is the 20th anniversary of the hell in a cell uh and we're going to do an awesome watch along so here is how this is going to work i want you to fire up your system your ipad your uh playstation your xbox your 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 blu-ray player to your wwe network go to shows go to collections and they have a Hell in a Cell Collections in there. And it is the third window in, depending on how you're viewing it. It's called Raising the Bar. And we're going to go past all of the advertisements, the corporate um, thing. And we're going to start off at the zeros, you know, zero zero seconds mark for the match where you're going to see uh, Fat. Bald dude holding a beer and the cage ominously in the background, hanging from the ceiling at the igloo um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And we're going to fire this up. So once again, uh, you know, turn the volume down on your television and enjoy what should be a first of hopefully many. This is a test because honestly I wanted to do this for, for really crappy movies anyway. But we're just going to do it with the hell in a cell. Fuck it. Two of the greatest of all time going at it in a match that really turned the tide for pro wrestling. I'm, I'll i do my talking and commentary through it, and we're just going to have some fun. Mystery Science Theater 3000 only. It's going to be Fury Science Theater 3000, bitch. All right, here we go. And after you've gotten past your uh, stuff and you get past the, the TV-14 rating for language and violence, here we go. And in 5, 4... Three, two... All right, here we go. Look at that thing. Jesus. I always loved the music that they played. That... As they lower the cages and the cells for special events. Now, this was only the second time that the Hell in a Cell had been used. It was only less than... I think less than eight months after the Shawn Michaels Undertaker... Hell in a Cell match at Bad Blood, like I mentioned earlier. And going into this, I remember exactly where I was when this match took place. I was uh, in my parents' living room. My dad was working second shift because it was a few days before my birthday. So I wanted this pay-per-view for my birthday. And yeah, first blood match. They're hyping that Stone Cold Kane. This is Kane's... the, The night Kane won the WWF title, a lot of people seem to forget cuz the king of the ring 1998 it got overshadowed by this this huge fucking moment in professional wrestling history and here comes mankind with a steel chair and you know truth be told as as they've discussed on numerous biographical uh features and even in mankind's uh, number one New York Times best selling book uh have a nice day they didn't know how they were going to start this match off and you know it was yes dan kirk 316 good for you and it was terry funk your wwe hall of famer and you know resident of the double cross ranch from amarillo texas who who suggested to Mick foley why don't you start it off on the top because if you remember from the original how in the cell the first at in your house bad blood uh they caught con- they went to the top and then Sean was holding on to it when Undertaker was stomping on his fingers and then he kind of fell back into the announce table. He had more control uh, into that. And Here you see the deranged freak Mankind with still that silhouette of the, the window from those old vignettes that uh, we saw in February and March of, of 1996 where he was down in the basement with the Rat George. And you can just look at mankind right now and see he's got some shit going through his head. He throws the chair up, and at this point, I am in my parents' living room. Uh, it's you know just me, and you can see the the amazing strength of mankind pulling his 370 pound frame up the side of the the cell. It's it's honestly just fencing. It's not like the big blue cage that we used to have in the 80s and, and 90s when before they switched over. But yeah, I was sitting there, I was eating chicken wings, go figure, uh, drinking some Surge. And I remember being like, what, what the, f-? like, uh, in my head, I'm thinking, what, what are they going to do? Like, really, like, what is, man, I, in my mind, I honestly thought, oh, and for whom the bell tolls, the Undertaker, the lights, the lighters, way before Bray Wyatt's Fireflies, the Undertaker's Creatures of the Night held up lighters like it was a Metallica concert. Um, and I remember thinking... What a, what a stupid thing. Like, they're not going to start off the match. Like, referee is going to make mankind get down, and it's going to look really awkward for Mick Foley to, to be exiting the cell like that. And after, like, kind of cock-teasing everyone and being like, oh, we're starting off at the top, blah. And, uh, God, I always loved that coat of The Undertakers. I always loved that look. And I could only imagine those fire pyro mortars were blowing his eardrums out at this exact moment. But you just see... It it reminded me of Spawn. At that time, Spawn was really hot. You had the the New Line Cinema movie and then you had the... um, And if you heard that, I'm opening a beverage. You had the Spawn cartoon from HBO where he had the, the collar on it, which he had for WrestleMania that year but it just he looked menacing he just looked like all right i'm just gonna mess you up and look and the funny part about this is is that he had a broken foot going into this match you didn't know it but because he was the undertaker and you know he he just kayfabe that shit but he's taking it off and i'm looking and i'm like undertaker isn't gonna go up there undertaker's not gonna go up there Referee is going to call it, get get down, we're not doing this. Undertaker just keeps looking. And then you've got the, the sort of PG, like, you want me to come up there? I'm going to come up there and whip your butt, Jim Ross commentary. You know, he's stretching it out. It's like, yep, here we go. And it's, it's awesome. He's just climbing up that cell and, like, it's Undertaker. So, really, it's like two Undertaker body lengths. Because he's over seven foot tall, but here he goes, and on un- mankind just punching him right in the fucking head, not giving a shit. Undertaker doing the leap up just to knock him back. And at by this point, I remember I was watching the match set. Thinking, I really hope no one falls off this shit. I said it to myself. I'm like, I hope no one fucking falls off. And then you have the chair shut right across the spine. That does not feel good. And then this is the point when you notice that those zip ties that are holding that cell up, you know, that that ceiling, it, it just does not look safe. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, that's at least 700 or almost 800 pounds of humanity up on the top of that because undertaker isn't isn't small by any stretch and here's the first time they fall through and you're like oh shit like you see the zip ties just popping and it's like okay this is not this is not cool like i was worried one of them would fall through (laughs) lo and behold and then you think mankind is going to ddt him and Undertaker's just going to go face first through it i'm like oh here we go You know, they're going to work away around this, and then the moment. Goddamn. And then the now infamous, as God is my witness, he's broken in half, audio commentary. And I believe that was Pedro Morales just laying on the floor, because of course they went through the Spanish announce table. And you've got Undertaker just staring down at him like the demon from Death Valley that he is. And you almost are thinking to yourself, what is what is going through his mind? And if you go back and you watch the This Is My Yard DVD that was released, and I believe it was late 2001, early 2002, where Undertaker actually talked about this match. And he said it was an out-of-body experience for him because he just remembers releasing it. Here you go. Here's the second shot his head was inches away from that old school monitor. And you're just thinking in your head, it's like, holy shit. And I can remember I sat there in my living room and the the initial smash went through. And my mom came out and she saw this going on. And she's like, did... If I can remember, she basically looked up and was like, did that motherfucker just get thrown off the top of that? And I'm just looking at her like... I have no fucking clue what I just saw, and here's you know Terry Funk coming out to check on mankind. At this point, they had they had a, a a feud when Mankind Mick Foley was switching between personas of Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, and Dude Love, and you know he had wrestled Terry Funk as Mick Foley on a Raw several months prior, and here are all the refs coming out to check on him, and there's just Undertaker like. This crowd just exploded. And we didn't do shit. Well, you did do shit. You threw mankind off the top of the hell in a cell. Threw a fucking announce table. He bounced and slid. Poor Pedro Morales fucking was thrown like it was a a shockwave from a, a Kamehameha blast hitting. Here you have Earl Hemner, I believe, and Dave Hemner. And I believe Dr. Harry Scabbage, if the if the commentary by The King and JR is correct, just think about that. As they keep replaying it from the the major angles, you're just like, what goes through your mind? And then there's the one dude over in the corner who's throwing up the devil horns. Like, this is the most metal shit I've ever fucking seen in my entire life. And it was. I remember thinking to myself, this is never going to be replicated. Never. And then Shane McMahon started wrestling. But... Sergeant Slaughter and here's Mick Foley now out. You Got Mike Yoda. It's hard to it's hard to imagine saying to yourself, "Yeah, this is this is what I want to do tonight. I'm going to just throw myself off the top of this thing and you know, pray for the best." It's like the human body isn't meant to take that. And obviously it shows because of, you know, Mick Foley's body. And, and for years how he was in pain before he started getting the physical help. And you got Vince McMahon calling for EMTs. You got Sergeant Slaughter calling for them to raise it. The cell, that is. And I think Tony Gurria is one of them that comes out as well. And as you just look at it, you're just kind of like, I, I can't believe anyone would agree to this and i being a a teenage wrestling fan at this time i was just like holy shit but the thing that got me in watching this and and of course you can always go back and watch this without my stupid ass commentary is the crowd that night that pittsburgh crowd that that steel city crowd they were eating this up because this was the era of ecw this was the era of the of uh, really the whole monday night war i like to lump ecw into that monday Night war it was it was it was a very great time as a wrestling fan but looking back at it and i've had conversations with people uh like indie card mafia president um eric eminon and and you know, Ricky Williams and and other guys that I've I've ridden in cars with or been friends with, it's like, we were fucking spoiled because cool things were happening on a week-by-week basis at this point with the Attitude Era, with the Monday Night War. And this happened. This was one of those moments where literally time stood still in wrestling because this was the only thing wrestling fans were talking about. And then, you know, a year or so later, WCW was trying to replicate it with their three stages of Hell cage that they had for, for the David Arquette movie. I think it was 2000, if I'm not mistaken, 2000, when that came out. But still, like you could tell the, the reverberation, the, the ripple effect, the butterfly effect, if you will, of this moment, really, uh, and you're thinking, okay, the, the match is done. That's how they're fucking ending it. You know, they're zooming in. Maybe there's something medically going wrong with mankind. Undertaker, they show him climbing down, just like, okay, we're done. You know, I'm I'm done with this shit. Yep, I'm cool. That, that, Pin me, pay me, whatever. And then they show mankind standing the fuck up. And not just standing the fuck up. He is maskless, pushing his way, getting them the fuck off. He's got one, I'm assuming it was a separated shoulder, you know, just by watching it. Undertaker is just like, well, fuck this. Okay, you want to do this shit, we'll go the fuck back up. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, there's a second announce table, what are you gonna do? Chokeslam him through the fucking second announce table, he grabs the chair, You know, Mick Foley just rolls onto it, Undertaker drops that shit. He's smart, he's not walking across the cage, he's like, fuck that, I'll just crouch myself on a beam, fuck it. And then there is the second craziest fucking thing in history. The cage giving way and the fucking fall. The second... Fall, where that chair blasts mankind in the mouth as it's falling. And here is the Undertaker just demonically standing there. And at this point, the Undertaker character changed. Because he had been feuding, but it was just a different Undertaker going into this. like You just saw him and it was almost like in two moves he was relishing just doling out unbelievable amounts of pain. And To think he jumped from this with a broken foot and you can see him kind of favor the one foot when he lands. And now they're trying to buy mankind time. First off, this would never happen today. You would never ever fucking have a wrestler get knocked the fuck out and have them try and buy him a few minutes. Um, But Terry Funk takes a couple shots from the undertaker uh, a gentle choke slam cuz you don't want to fucking kill Terry Funk he's tried to do it himself and he he literally choke slams Terry Funk out of his nike's and then undertaker's just like get the fuck out tim white opens the door and is like okay we get out but anyone who's ever ever been in a wrestling ring and ever taken a bump in a wrestling ring, can appreciate just how stiff they are. There's no there's no give. It's not like a trampoline like everyone assumed. And then now there's so much inside stuff and you just have mankind crumbling. Because there's nothing going on in that brain at that point in time. He's just out on his, his feet. Still there, but out on his feet. But yeah, to get back to that, that fall, it's like, to take a suplex from the top rope, It'll jar you. I couldn't imagine just a straight, flat bump. You know, 10 feet, landing on it. And then the other thing people forget, and you can see the blood in Mick Foley's mouth right now, the chair blasts him in the fucking mouth, knocking his teeth out. He inhales one of his teeth, and it comes out of his fucking nose. You're going to see that in a second. And then Undertaker just, you know, landing on his leg, falling. And... I'm not sure if Yep, here's the million dollar camera shot. That smile with the tooth hanging out of his nose and it's it's visuals just who, the camera guys deserve so much fucking credit for making this match better than it was. Yo, that better better I shouldn't say better than it was fucking better than it was on its own. On its own, if you would have just had wide-angle shots of this match, it would have been fucking insane. But having those up-close camera shots where you have the tooth in the nose, or Undertaker's expressions when he sees Mankind coming back for more, and just those up-close shots where you just can see the, the grimace of pain on their faces. Like, look at Mankind right now. His shoulder's dislocated. He just has a fucking chair smash out his teeth. He's thrown off the cell and through the cell. He can barely lift it, and still he's just—it's a sympathetic psychopath. Like literally, I'm looking at this and I'm just like, he's so sympathetic. It's, and he's taking another shot in the arm with those, you know, steel steps, solid steel steps, as Jr. would call them, and the commentary also made this because. Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler told such a phenomenal story in this match with the audio, with the commentary, because just when things got bigger, they ramped it up, and just when they got bigger, it got ramped up more, and it was just, it was, it was a car crash that was followed by a a semi-truck with log trucks, followed by a nitroglycerin truck, followed by a beer truck, followed by literally everything with a with a satellite falling from orbit, landing on it by the end of the match. And here comes Undertaker, a seven-foot monster that just flies through the air, taking the cage to the face. And people seem to forget, and like I just mentioned it a little bit ago, it's like he had a broken foot. Going into this match. Once again, Undertaker sucking it up. Because his name's on the marquee. He's he's busted open a little bit. And. Mankind's just going to grind his face in. Like it's hamburger. Get the fuck out the way, camera dude. Seriously. Like, run. And referee Tim White is. Essentially just trying to play traffic cop. While monitoring the health of Mankind. And. When you have someone who's willing to go that far for their craft, and this Pittsburgh crowd is eating this shit up, this is, you have to remember, this is ECW territory, too. They were used to Cactus Jack. They're used to the craziness of of Paul Heyman's ECW. And you just have this insane, insane match. And character-wise, you have to think about it, you know, Undertaker was the Lord of darkness at this point chaos comics were being made about him being this undead you know he wasn't at the the, the Lord of Darkness level that he would one two kick out that he would be later this year and into 1999 with the Ministry of Darkness but he was getting there he was getting there and mankind had you know the year prior gone between deranged mankind you know summer of love dude love. The reintroduction of Cactus Jack at Madison Square Garden. Here we go. Chair bounce off the ropes. Leg drop. Always loved his leg drops. They were like these quick little forehead, going shots, um, with a big ass leg. Another pin attempt. One, two, kick out. Um, it's amazing to think that mankind is is able to put together such a great match after getting knocked out. Unbelievable. And there he is, just smiling, looking looking like. Cactus Jack, Deathmatch Cactus Jack from IWA in Japan. Fucking insane. Oh, classic double arm DDT. But I just you look at this match and character-wise, you know, mankind had really changed in a year, had you know shifted between four personalities: himself, mankind, dude love, and cactus jack. And then here was something that to the best of my knowledge, had not been seen by an American audience. I could be wrong. You know, ECW could have done it without letting anyone know. I don't know. But this was the first globally televised moment. And you saw the build, and you heard the build of the crowd as soon as they realized what it was, and then just the rain of chrome and silver thumbtacks. Thousands of thumbtacks. And... JR and the King sold it fucking beautifully, like, holy shit. And the tease of knocking the Undertaker into the thumbtacks. You know, a man who'd been through wars with mankind, and he goes for the the chokeslam, the quick shot. You're thinking, okay, Undertaker's going to tombstone him in, slide up, manable claw. And we knew, we knew that, you know, Undertaker had lost to the Mandible Claw before. It wasn't anything new. And you're kind of thinking as a fan, it's like, oh, merciful God, you know, please don't throw one of them into the thumbtacks. Like, you knew about Mankind's history. You didn't want them to do the thumbtacks. I honestly, as a fan, didn't think they were going to do thumbtacks. I can honestly tell you I thought they were going to go to... At this point, with with referee Tim White checking the arm, I thought they were going to go and just end it right here. It's like, okay, Undertaker loses, tease the thumbtacks. You know, they're never going to get away with thumbtacks on a pay-per-view, especially a WWF pay-per-view. Little did I know what was about to happen in like seven seconds. You know, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, and drop him. All right, so more like 10 seconds. But still, fucking look at that shit. Undertaker just dropped a man into a a thumbtack. He's rolling around in them. They're stuck in his arm, in his back, in his ass, in his legs. He's just drilling himself up at this point. And it's an opus of violence that I don't think fans thought you were going to see. And once you did... It was like, I hate to say it, you expect it, and then the choke slam into it. If things couldn't get better, a good old choke slam, like, fuck you, dude, stay down. But the beauty of this match was for all of the abuse that this character took, this deranged psychopath, he kept getting up. It was like the 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 hardcore energizer bunny. He just kept going. And if you're old enough to get that reference, thank you. And then the tombstone. And mercifully, one, two, three. You see that? Thumbtack stuck in Undertaker's um, Demon Thinker there. and The fans are on their feet. I don't think the fans knew what they were going to get. I, I think they thought, yeah, we'll get a fight. But we're not going to get something groundbreaking. The, every single one of the people who sold out the Igloo in Pittsburgh on that night got their money's worth. They They got their money's worth because they got a title change, but they also got the hell in a cell match that from this point forward every single hell in a cell match can try and beat this but in my opinion you've got the first and the second are are the two best there there's never going to be any hell in a cell match that beats this and anyone that tries like you know we've seen Shane you know elbow drop off the top you've seen uh Triple H and Brock Lesnar go and it, you've seen Undertaker appear numerous times, more times than anyone else, but still you're just like this. It's never gonna be beat. It's never gonna be beat, and no matter how hard you.